Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning. Welcome in. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Let's see who else is here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man. Like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway you guys suck and when when i got traded the next day oh welcome to the suck team toby oh my god this sucks random bears fan terry bars finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides i do liam Hendricks. i wouldn't say seeking perfection it's just mainly trying not to suck Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I'll tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. George went. We had fun, uh, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Turn it off, man! Turn it off! It's sucking my will to live! Steve Dahl. Disco sucks! Disco sucks! <laughs> 
Tevin Jenkins. All right, Caesar. Caesar Perez, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Steve? All right. Tevin Jenkins is back on the field, resuming his Hall of Fame career. I believe he's he's due to be inducted into Canton today. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Our phone number. Our phone number at the score, Chicago Sports Radio 670. 312-644-6767. That'll get you to our listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the score's text zone. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. I mentioned Tim and Jenkins because there is just such chaos and such so many people trampling over each other. There's pandemonium. Tevin Jenkins is reported to be on the field as the Bears practice on the day that players are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Coincidence? I don't think so. We'll talk with Mark Grody at 1120 about that. We hope to hear from Tevin Jenkins later in the show. Maybe get find out who his Hall of Fame presenter is. Yeah, I'm making a joke. I mean, come on. It's just so much about this guy. I know we want to get answers, but it keeps building and building. And the Bears are giving you no answers. So the Bears are going to let themselves in for, for a lot of speculation on stuff this year. Coach doesn't want to say anything. The GM doesn't want to talk about, I don't know, except criminality. And... We're going to be left with a Luke Getze is the best thing going. By the way, I need we need Luke Getze to be the head coach. He talks to you. He tells you stuff. He's honest. He's transparent. He's there's a good deal of emotion there. He's not afraid to say stuff. He's not afraid to say, hey, the offensive line isn't where it needs it. No, we're not good enough. Uh uh-uh. uh. And there's your truth. So we love those truths, and that's what Luke Getze provides. Nobody else in charge does. We hope Luke Getzey becomes a head coach. We will talk to Mark Grody about Tevin Jenkins being back on the field, the offensive line, left tackle, your name here. And in the meantime, it was sort of Cubs win, Cubs win for the White Sox. Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez. Cubs win, Cubs win the White Sox game against the Rangers. Cease goes six innings, two hits. One and run, five strikeouts, three walks, 97 pitches, historic, historic accomplishment. Eloy annihilated a pitch for the tie-breaking eventual game-winning homer. Two-to-one win. The Sox are now tied with the Guardians for second. Two games behind the evil-dreaded Twins, who... I, you know, yeah, I still can't get over it this week. They had the temerity to make actual trades at the trade deadline. Is that even legal? Someone check that out and alert the White Sox. But the the historic nature of what we're watching, we knew it when Jake Arrieta was doing something similar when he was he was doing his Bob Gibson thing in 2015 and 16, mostly 2015. Friday, this is what you got from Chris Kampka, the assultant of the stat at NBC Sports Chicago. 
Dylan Cease is the only pitcher in AL or NL history to go 13 consecutive starts of allowing one or fewer earned runs since earned runs became an official stat in 1913. The first player in AL or NL history to go 13 consecutive starts of allowing one or fewer runs since earned runs became an official stat in 1913. Now, it's one thing to say he's the only guy to do this. He is the guy who has done this the most times. I think it's instructive, helpful, contextual, gives you some perspective to just mention some of the guys who didn't do this. Say Sandy Koufax, or Walter Johnson, or Babe Ruth, or Gibson, Carlton, Maddox, Clemens, Pedro, the aforementioned Arietta, Kershaw, you get the idea. Nobody has done what he's done. Some other stats, just they're eye-popping. The season we're watching from this guy, from Dylan Cease. For this year, six-plus innings and two or fewer hits allowed this season. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Jay Kuda lets you know it's Dylan Cease. And then the rest of the league, Michael Kopech and several others are at four. Dylan Cease has done that five times. And that includes Shohei Otani. Some more stats. Just, this is the the only way you can, I can grasp this. Maybe you, you can watch Dylan Cease pitch and he's brilliant and he's baffling. Or he's not. He's not that guy. You can, you can Look at stats and say, oh my God, he keeps doing this even without being at his sharpest. Five strikeouts yesterday, three walks, but he still got the job done. His 198 ERA is the lowest by a White Sox pitcher through the first 22 starts in the season since Tommy John's 1.94 in 1968, which brings up a couple questions. Why isn't Tommy John in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I don't understand. Why isn't Tommy? I guess for the same reason that Dylan Cease wasn't an all-star, because you can't fix stupid. And if you're looking for more crazy names and numbers, again, that's what Dylan Cease is doing here. He's having the crazy names and numbers year. Jay Kuda notes, AL pitchers with 160-plus strikeouts and a sub-2.00 ERA after 22 starts. Dylan Cease, there's Felix Hernandez in 2014, Pedro, 2000, Roger Clemens in 97, Vita Blue in 71, and Sudden Sam McDowell in 68, Louis Tiant also in 68, Hal Neuhauser in 1946, and Walter Johnson in 1910. This is an amazing thing. Amazing accomplishments. I... I refer to stats, I rely on stats, I fall back on them because of the names of the history of baseball. I know it's changed. Dead ball era, live ball era, steroid era, the, the Sudafed era, where you're, and, and the, the Dexys era, and whatever way of cheating you want to go. Major League Baseball cheating with a baseball, Major League Baseball doing this to the baseball, that to the baseball, players doing it. The fact that Dylan Cease, with that 70s porn mustache, 
and that unbelievable breaking stuff and that combination of stuff, period, is is doing things you go back to 1910 where Walter Johnson, the big train, 424 career victories, Hall of Famer, what he did. Uh, that's where I'm, I'm at with him. It's just the numbers. Which crazy accomplishment, which historical figures can those of us who grew up reading the glory of their times, and you read about Rube Marquand, Rube Waddell, the Kovaleski brothers, and what they did before 1920, and and then you grew up amazed playing Stratomatic and taking the historical teams, the 27 Yankees and the, and the A's in the 30s, and and the 54 Giants, because I loved Willie Mays, and then you get up to, to the history that, I mean, the history I grew up with, with Colfax and Drysdale and Gibson and Marshall, and you, you, these hall, guys are in the Hall of Fame now, and Dylan Cease just did something nobody else in baseball has done since Earn Run became a stat in 1913, and you got to mention names, I mentioned names, because that helps me put it into perspective and and restores the 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 love of baseball and what stats mean what stat the stories that they tell i realize they're not perfect wins have been devalued but there are guys who are historic figures and dylan cease is just happily smiling going right past them what a thing all right we'll talk about that more about that later for now and I will talk about Koufax later on. I have a tribute, a personal tribute to Vin Scully. I grew up in L.A., born and raised in L.A., born and raised by Vin Scully. He's a reason I'm doing this. He's a big reason I've done everything in sports, all of the various media. Vin Scully is it. Vin Scully made it. He was a legend, an instructor, an icon, an idol. It was personal what happened this week when he passed away. I'll share that with you. I'll beg a little of your time as I go through radiotherapy. But we'll take a break and we come back. Tevin Jenkins, future Hall of Famer, was back on the field. Mark Grody was back at Hallis Hall. The co-founder of Saturday Suckage will be here to talk about what's going on up there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for pulling up a chair and spending part of Saturday Suckage with me. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. We have a text here, Mark Grody, from Dan Chaltiel, a regular listener to Saturday Suckage and a contributor. He tweeted at me, Rosie, nothing quite says Saturday Suckage as this suckage. Mitch Trubisky was 0 for 16, just two yards away as the Pittsburgh offense struggled 0 for 16 in the seven shots drill and three on three of 20 <clears throat> connected on three of 20 reps throughout all of camp. That's the Mitch Trubisky. We know that's the one we fear. How are you, Mark Rody? I, I am doing well. Well, you don't want to hear that he was that Trubisky or nobody wants to hear that he was like, 14 for 16 or 15 for 16 or anything like that right because then there'd be there'd be remorse 
from Bears fans and from the Bears for giving up on Mr. Trubisky, right? No, I, I think there would be there would be drug tests to see if they're on Aaron Rodgers psychedelics. I think that's what would be happening if somebody told you he was fifteen <laughs> for sixteen. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers psychedelics, I love Luke Getze. There's he's the most honest man up there. Share with us the Luke Getze experience from yesterday, talking about the line, the quarterback, the offense. The It just seemed so plain-spoken, which we're not used to from at Hallis Hall, and even by this administration. That's what I came away with. What did you well, come away with? Well, he, he made it really clear yesterday that they don't have their offensive line completely configured the way they want to yet that these essentially said that nothing is set and everything is still open. So stand by. So it was a really honest assessment. And then, and then he got into the, the Tevin Jenkins stuff as well, where he expected Tevin Jenkins to return. And when he did return, he expected him to compete for one of the, the tackle spots, um, and that is happening. I mean, we, as, as you saw, he, he is here today, uh, Tevin Jenkins. I cannot, because they are still practicing, I cannot give you any more details on the specifics of how much he is practicing and what he is doing. We'll be able to report that in probably about a half an hour, 45 minutes or so. But unfortunately, that's just the way the, the, that's what the rules dictate at this point. I can tell you that they are, Offensive line-wise, they are trying all sorts of different things today. There's all sorts of configurations. So back to your original question about... I think we lost Mark. He's at Hallis Hall. We're supposed to lose me. I'm not at Hallis Hall. Mark's got all the important stuff. We'll try to reconnect with him. Mark uh, will be joining us when he did join us, when he he joins us again. He'll join us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we're talking Bears. So the the news of the day is Tevin Jenkins is on the field. And again, as I noted, this same day that Hall of Fame inductions in Canton um, will be taking place. So that cannot be any kind of surprise. And I'm interested to hear Mark explain or break down a report either now or after he's the Bears complete practice and they're allowed to interview people and they get in, they get the reporting done to see what combinations on the offensive line. Eventually, they're going to have to settle for one. They're a week away from playing a football game. Real or not, there'll be contact. They'll face the Chiefs at Nagy's Chiefs. And they're going to have to put together. They're going to have to put together a line that will have had practice time together for, I don't know, four days. I would think you'd need to know by tomorrow at the latest. Maybe it's another padded practice. Maybe it's on Monday. But your last padded practice before the game, you'd better know the offensive line that you're going to be putting in front of the most important person in Hallis Hall, Justin Fields. you got to give him a chance. And we've seen what happens. We've seen what happens. when Mark, I was saying 
Mark, I was saying that the Bears would need to know by tomorrow or whenever their last padded practice is before next Saturday's game, they would need to know who their starting offensive line for that game is and give them a week of practice together, at least a week of practice, because we've seen what happens when the Bears offensive line an offensive quarter, and nobody knows what they're doing. We saw that when Jay Cutler lasted about three seconds in a game with Mike Marks calling plays and Jay running for his life, and I think he was out after the first series of the first game, and it was three plays, and they couldn't have gone three and out any quicker, and that's what happens, and you can't allow that to happen with Justin Fields. What is your projection, or what have you heard? What do the Bears expect to do? with their offensive line decisions going into Saturday's game against the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, they, they have not been very specific about it as of yet and trying all sorts of configurations that they will continue to try. Like I said, when this practice ends, I, I will be able to give you a better idea of what some of the, the new configurations that they were going with today of course, I agree with you. You don't want to put Justin Fields in any kind of danger for that first preseason game, and I don't think that they will either. I think that you know what we have seen from this. I mean, they they are the Bears are throwing downfield, but there definitely seems to be a huge emphasis on the running game this year. Something we did not see in the past several training camps, and a more conservative dare I say, less ambitious style of offense, which I think is in the name of Justin Fields and in the name of the offensive line right now. So it is something that they have to figure out. But but again, going back to the stuff that Luke Getze was saying yesterday, he made it real clear, and he was very happy and proud to say that they don't have it figured out yet, that they don't have their configuration and that jobs are open and that, Kevin Jenkins should compete for a tackle spot. I don't know if that's actually realistic at this point, considering who they seem to value at those tackle positions. I mean, we'll see, but it's that they have said that. And, I, and I'm sure that Getty and uh, Matt Eberflus and everybody who is going to have a hand in the decisions about the offense, they probably have an idea in their mind who they want or who they think is they've been true to their word and saying that they will try all sorts of different things. So what's, what do you know about today's lineup of offensive linemen? What combination are they? Do you know anything about today's combination, starting combination? Well, yeah. Yeah, I can't report them yet because the oh. practice hasn't ended, um, okay. unfortunately. So, but, but, I, but I can tell you that there was – there was I'll just say that there was a very interesting person playing left tackle today. Uh, so I'll just say that. And it's not, Ryan Poles? It's not a name. It's Is not, Ryan Poles? Did Ryan Poles no, put on Ryan Poles, no. No, no, Polsey. I didn't see Polsey out there today. Uh, but, yeah, it was like like I said, in the name of the everybody's getting a shot and you were going to try different things, there were a couple of different things going on on the offensive line today. So I think practice line probably about 30 I can tell you that we are talking to uh, Tevin Jenkins today. 
So that will be interesting to, to try to clear. Hopefully we can clear everything up about what is or what is not going on with with Kevin Jenkins. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take you up to Cubs pregame on Saturday, Suckage at twelve forty five. So um, and we have Jed Hoyer. We're gonna replay him with Molly and Hall. We'll find out why he hates Wilson Contreras at twelve o'clock. I got a tribute to Vin Scully uh, and his passing as someone who grew up idolizing him. So your timeline for people who are listening. When might you get to talk to all the people involved, and when might we on the score hear from you again or from Tevin Jenkins having an explanation? Well, the, like I said, the practice should end right around noon or so, and then okay. it's then that's when the players and Matt Eberflus and everybody is supposed to speak. I don't. I have been told that uh, Tevin Jenkins is not speaking first, so we'll see what the order is. So anytime, hopefully it'll happen on your watch between 12 and 1245. I can't guarantee it, but I would imagine that it, it will. I would think that these guys would probably want to get in and out here on a Saturday, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So I, I, I'm imagining between bottom of the hour, 1225 and 1245 before we go off the air on Saturday suckage to Cubs baseball. The yes, the idea their first day in pads and they had goal line drills and it looked like Mitch Trubisky was quarterbacking them. You got a botch snap, you got a false start, you got a whole lot of, you know, mid Bears offense form. And so none of this is a surprise. What did you think and did it ever get better throughout the week? Um, yeah, I think it was. God, well, Thursday was the day off, so Wednesday the offense did look better. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say they looked really good or there was something about them that made you say it started to click. There were some nice co- uh, connections on Wednesday with Bayless Jones Jr. Um, but red zone drills have been tough. They've been tough. And that obviously, you know, red zone and putting the ball in the end zone was a huge problem under Matt Nagy and just watching some of, the, the red zone drills here, it's been a grind. It's been a grind, um, especially in terms of finding open receivers or open tight ends in the end zone. We've seen them have more success, and I guess this is a good thing, running the football or Justin Fields keeping the football. I mean, I think Justin Fields can be such a weapon in the red zone, and I hope they use him better in that regard that, yeah, there's some traditional ways to bang the ball into the end zone and using your tight, like Cole Komet, who had zero touchdowns last year, use your big, tall, strong guys in the end zone. But when you have fields, I hope that they have all sorts of different packages for Justin Fields to saunter into the end zone. But that, that is something that's got to look better. And there haven't, there, there simply haven't been enough good days for the offense to where, I'll go on the radio or tweet, it was a good day for the offense, maybe two or, or three. And I'm talking about even going back to the OTAs and the mini camps and things like that where things just don't look quite even yet. Mark Grody joining us from Hallis Hall. Real quick, is it unreasonable for me to expect that every red zone series, first, second, third down, Cole Komet has to be targeted? Is it unreasonable? I don't think that's unreasonable. And I think that I, I'm getting the feeling that this staff, you know, we talk about the holdovers and the guys that they value. I mean, you could put Kendall Vildor on that list. Um, Cole Komet 
they really seem to like him a lot. I mean, just the way Luke gets, he was talking about him yesterday and seeing how present he is and everything. And you know, I think this is the first year where there's no doubt about it, that he is the guy. Uh, we don't hear about a lot of a competition as much as they love to talk about competition. We don't hear a lot of competition for Cole Komet and they, they seem to really like what he can bring. I think that Luke gets, used the word rock star yesterday in, you know, terms of him that he can be that guy that he's got all these tools that he needs to maximize. So I do think that they, I think they value him. I really do. And I think that they see something in him. And I think it's worth noting, you know, especially skill position players from the previous regime that they have deemed worthwhile. And Cole Komet is one of them. And he knows he's, there's another level he's got to get to. I mean, the, if you look at Cole Komet, the numbers from last year, they, they weren't bad. I mean, in terms of, you know, total yardage somewhere between five and 600, but he had zero touchdowns, um, you know, to your bigger point about the red zone and targeting him and not, not just in that, those situations, but, and I also think that if, if the bears are going to be this offense where they're going to have to be conservative, considering the lack of, cohesion right now on the offensive line and you know not an overwhelming amount of weapons Cole Komet could become Justin Fields' best friend if he is used correctly not just downfield but hanging out in the middle of the field and then as he said yesterday using those extra tools and those things those plays that he's been experimenting with you find that man 29 years ago today Mark the fugitive was released Oh my goodness! It's I, I like that. I, I was not aware of it because I've been we've been planning the 30th anniversary. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just skipped past the 29th. We, we've been more. There's a huge. We're going to hold it at the, the the hotel downtown where he gave the famous and switched the sample speech. Mm-hmm. So that's it's yeah. So I, I while I do recognize the 29th, I'm more into the 30th. So well, you guys we'll look, go on and celebrate 29. We'll look forward to that. And by the way, I got a Heisenberg hat, and we need to talk about that before the before the month is out. I'll explain all of that to you. <laughs> Jesse. Let's cook. All right. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. <laughs> Bye, Keith. It's Mark Rohde at Hallis Hall. It covers the Bears for your Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score. We'll take a break when we come back. Moline Hahn did an interview with Jay, Jed Hoyer, and maybe I'll – We'll replay it, and we'll see if you can figure out why they hate Wilson Contreras. Next, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome back to Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Steve Rosenblum here, taking you to 1245 Cubs pregame. For now, Dan Weeder, Tribune Bears reporter and new score contributor, tweeted this out. Bears were without wide receivers Byron Pringle, Valus Jones, and Dante Pettis this morning, and then Nikhil Harry, recently acquired from the Patriots, uh, suffered what appeared to be a significant left leg injury during a team period. He also tweeted out Bears offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins was back on the practice field Saturday morning and in pads, but he did very, very little practicing. Dan Weider closed with, we should hear from him and Matt Eberflus shortly. We had Mark Rohde on. Mark Rohde will bring us the sound, the events, the news after they discuss it with 
Matt Eberflus and Tevin Jenkins. We hope to be able to do that for you before we get off the air today. In the meantime, an event happened this week that made me sad, depressed. It was very personal. It was the death of Vince Scully. Vince Scully was broadcast crack. Well, we've had all the introductions. We've had all the pomp and circumstance. We've had all the fuss and feathers. But it's time. It's time for Dodger baseball. That was the first hit of Vin Scully broadcast crack. It's time for Dodger baseball. It was so ingrained that the Dodgers prepared to play their first home game last night since Scully died this week. Dodger manager Dave Roberts took a microphone to the mound, surrounded by all his players. He exhorted the crowd of 50,000 people to shout those five words. Let's go! go. Time for Dodger Bridge. But another Vinny line has always stuck with me. Pull up a chair and spend part of Tuesday night with us or Sunday afternoon, or whatever it was. Vinny always said that. And that spoke to how long he had been doing it, how great he was for so long, going back 67 years by the end of his broadcast days with the Dodgers. I mean, this goes back, kids, ask your parents, this goes back to when you really did pull up chairs to listen to the radio because it was the broadcast outlet for sports. So bear with me on this Saturday, suckage years. I, I need to let you lay, let me lay on your couch. I need some therapy. I've been sad since Wednesday, Wednesday, sometimes depressed. I woke up to the death of Vin Scully. He was my idol. He was a teacher. He was a legend. A large part of my youth died Wednesday. I felt depressed since then. He was a soundtrack of, of my life for so long. More so. I might add, than my mom and dad. Probably because when I hear their voices in my head, it probably involves something bad. But hearing Vin, it's always good. Hearing Vin, it's orange Union 76 styrofoam balls on car radio antennas back when cars had antennas. And if you filled up at a Union 76 station, you got a 45 of Vinny calling Sandy Koufax's latest no-hitter. I had all the 45s. I grew up and then grew into adulthood. I pursued sports because of Vin Scully. We all wanted to be him, those of us who lived in L.A. When you hear us mock Ron Gleason talking like this, we're doing a bad Ron Gleason, doing a bad Vin Scully. Ron grew up in L.A., I grew up in L.A., we all wanted to be Vinny. We were all influenced by Vinny. Some established their own voices, most notably Al Michaels. Those of us who grew up in L.A., um, raised, we were raised by Vin Scully, and we were mocked elsewhere because people, Dodger fans, took radios to the game in the stadium. You don't know what you're watching. You have to have the announcer tell you what you're seeing. That was the criticism. In fact, they got so bad one time that Vinny had to announce over the radio during a Dodger game to the people listening 
to the radios during a Dodger game in the stadium to please turn down their radios because it was providing feedback and interfering with a broadcast. But we, we knew what we were watching. We were also taking advantage of every possible moment with the greatest announcer and storyteller in sports and arguably anywhere. Every, every fan base is biased with their announcers. In my case, why wouldn't I want to hear Vinny wherever it was? And in L.A., here's what you got to understand. In L.A., it was unavoidable. Vinny was everywhere. You're dealing with a car-centric city, a sun-loving city. There were drop tops and radios blasting out Dodger baseball at every stoplight. Two and two to Harvey Keene. Vinny was broadcast crack. He did the Dodgers, and he did national games. He did the NFL. He called the catch in 1982, Montana to Clark. He did tennis. He did golf. He even hosted a game show. Bob Barker had nothing on Vinny's side gig. Even if you didn't like tennis or golf or care about game shows, you watched. In L.A., you watched. Mostly you listened, really, because it was Vinny. Again, Vinny was broadcast crack. In L.A., you would watch and listen if Vinny read a grocery list. Sure, Andy, I'd be happy to. Well, let's see. We've got a dozen eggs, a quart of milk, a loaf of bread, a can of frozen orange juice, six small white onions, a green pepper, garlic powder, a package of American cheese, pickles, kosher, that is, bananas, cornflakes, maple syrup, toothpaste, paper towels, toilet paper, six bars of soap, hot dogs, quarter pound of chopped meat, steak, lamb chops, package of spaghetti, three apples, bologna, cottage cheese, a pound of butter, two ears of corn, beer, ketchup, peanut butter, soy sauce, and a half a pound of coffee. Told you. And he could tell stories. Boy, could he tell stories. The greatest storyteller I ever knew, I ever heard. I was lucky enough to get a half hour of his time. I was afraid to look at him for a while. I was able to write a newspaper article on him that it actually won an award, mostly because I had the spasm of good sense to get out of the way and let Vin Scully tell stories. One story in particular has always jumped up, and I've loved to repeat this, because it explains such professionalism. It explains a realization, a time where you, 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 you know what you're doing, what you are, and how you're going to go about things. People brought radios to game to games and and he was he was trying to explain how like how sh- short a time a batter has to make a decision on a pitch you know swing or no and he wanted to make his point by involving his audience and he said I'll say a and you say B because that's the millisecond of time a batter has to decide so Vinny says A, and he thinks he's talking to everyone listening at home or in the car, everyone who pulled up a chair and spent part of Tuesday evening with him. Some fans in the stadium, however, say B. And then as the at-bat keeps going, Vinny says A, says it again. And more people in the stadium shout B. See, Vinny says, that's pretty quick. And then he does it again. He says, A, and almost all of Dodger Stadium rattles with B. 
and the phone rings in the broadcast booth. He he hears, the hell are you doing up there? Well, the call did not come from an O'Malley or some executive suite. Then he says the call came from the dugout and manager Walter Alston. What the hell are you doing up there? By the way, broadcast strength. All you idiots who want to blame announcers for jinxing pitchers who are throwing a no-hitter, I want you to get a load of the legend, the greatest. Here he is opening the ninth inning of a notable game being thrown by Sandy Koufax against your Chicago Cubs. Three times in his sensational career has Sandy Koufax walked out to the mound to pitch a fateful ninth where he turned in a no-hitter. But tonight, September the 9th, 1965, he made the toughest walk of his career, I'm sure, because through eight innings, he has pitched a perfect game. He has struck out 11. He has retired 24 consecutive batters. So did it jinx Sandy Koufax, as, as critics would claim? Well, here's how Vinny ended the broadcast. It is 9.46 p.m., two and two to Harvey Keene, one strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Maybe he didn't jinx it after all. By the way, uh, if Professor Lawrence Holmes of the Smash, Bernstein, and Holmes Midday Show, if Professor Holmes wanted to, he could spend a lecture, an entire lecture, maybe a week, in his broadcasting class, telling his students, teaching his students, walking his students through Vince Scully's ninth inning. Vince Scully's storytelling was artful. He provided a broadcast lesson for the ages. He was so influential for me. It was There was a, a lyricism about his voice and his words and an economy with his words. He knew when to shut up. And then he delivered a moment's defining line. You heard it. Called the Gibson home run. 10, 12 seconds of silence as the crowd filled in. And he said, in a season so improbable, the impossible has happened. But actually, the line of the at-bat for me came before the at-bat. When he had set the stage for Gibson not even being in the dugout, would he be available with knee injury, ankle injury? And he casually says, and look who's coming up. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us 
and particularly for Henry Aaron. So let me break that down for you. That was Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record. That was number 715. He described the home run, Vinny did, over Buckner's head into the dugout, uh, into the bullpen. And there were about 24 seconds of silence. Vinny laid out. The pandemonium poured through the screen, the microphone, whatever you were listening, however you were <clears throat> taking it in. And then he delivered the perfect summation. That's what he did. That was That's a brilliant ability to tell a story. It's not what you say. It's what you don't say in addition to how you say it. Among the thousands and thousands of tweets noting what Vinny meant to a lot of people, what he meant to the profession, a tweet came from Rob Beer Temple, who covers the Pirates for The Athletic, and previously either the Post-Gazette or the Press, I can't remember which, and his tweet said this, Years ago, I went to pregame mass at Dodger Stadium. I volunteered to do one of the two readings, and the priest said, would you mind if the guy behind you did the first reading? Turned around, and Vin Scully was smiling at me. That voice reading Old Testament was wonderful. What a great memory. Vinny was a religious man. He went to church every Sunday. He also went to Temple a lot in the mid-1960s. Trust me, I know. He went to Temple on high holidays, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, in the form of a transistor radio. Parents, explain it to your kids, sort of the iPod of the day. Parents, you also need to explain that World Series games used to be played exclusively during the day. And in the mid-60s, the Dodgers went to the World Series in 63, 65, and 66. Yankees, Twins, Orioles. Those day games came in late September, early October. Inevitably, they overlapped with the Jewish high holidays. Rather famously, if you recall, Sandy Koufax elected not to pitch on Yom Kippur. The Dodgers played. And so, congregants slipped these small, square transistor radios into their suit pockets and snaked an earphone up to listen to Vinny. This is, getting, this is known as getting an early start on atoning for your sins. It became so ubiquitous, this open, seas, this open secret in Temple, that Rabbi Goodman walked onto the bima after one of the prayers and announced for the few lacking electronic help from their higher power, which in that case was a 9-volt battery, that the Dodgers were leading after four. I could go on, but you get the point. Thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me get this out. Thanks for radiotherapy. We'll take you up to Cubs pregame. Pull up a chair. Spend part of Saturday Suckage with me on the score. Chicago Sports Radio 670. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Indeed, Saturday Suckage. I, um, all of you on the text line, 779-219-574-630-773-630-312-314. I want to thank you all. I'm glad 
you sat through it. I can't do this. And 773 particularly, I'll do better next time. I realize, I'm <clears throat> sorry you thought it didn't suck. I will try to do better next time. But thank you all for your response. Um, I will try to keep you up to date as best we can. I don't think, we had hoped by the end of the show to have Tevin Jenkins sound. Right now, they're, <clears throat> Matt, uh, Matt Eberflus is going through the, post, the post-practice stuff. And he's got a lot to run down as far as injuries. Let me help you stay up with the news. Bear, from Mark Grody, Bears wide receiver Nikhil Harry had to be helped off the field today with what appeared to be a left leg injury. The injury, apparently, according to Brad Biggs, Tribune beat writer, Bigfoot, and score contributor, Bears went live at start of a team period Wide receiver Nikhil Harry appeared to be tackled by free safety Eddie Jackson and linebacker Nicholas Morrow. Harry had difficulty putting any weight on his left leg after he got up and was helped to the locker room. Let me move along here. The Bears had, this is from Brad, 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 Brad Bigsy. Team had some low numbers at the position today with Bayless Jones, Byron Pringle, and Dante Pettis not practicing. Cornerbacks, cornerbacks, where is it? I keep hitting the wrong thing. Don't get fat fingers, people. Cornerbacks Kyler Gordon, Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, and Thomas Graham were absent. Gordon Vildor have missed the last two practices. And there was one other update because Eberflus had mentioned something about Mark Rohde tweeted, he, when Mark Rohde was on with me uh, about an hour ago, he couldn't report everything for sure, but he hinted at a new twist in the Bears' competition at left tackle. He tweeted it out shortly, uh, recently, and he tweeted a new competition at left tackle with veteran Sean Coleman getting a decent amount of reps with the first team. You remember, Mark pointed out, Luke Getze was asked about the offensive line and it's whatever kind of shape it might be in. And Luke Getze said, there is no shape. Basically, there is no shape. I don't know what it is. We don't have anything yet. We're not there. Stay tuned. Grody tweeted out Byron Pringle has a quad injury. And Robert Quinn had an excused absence today. The coach of the Bears... According to a tweet from Big Z, Iberthus says Pringle will be out for some time with a quad injury, no timetable. He says Kyler Gordon and Valus Jones are day-to-day, so good news for them. Iberthus says he is hopeful the injury doesn't linger into the regular season for Pringle. Iberthus doesn't have any information yet on Nikhil Harry. So the most, for all that we wring our hands grind our teeth about the Bears' offensive line. The worst position group would seem to be wide receiver, which they sort of addressed, didn't really address. Do you wonder if they addressed? We didn't see them address in free agency and in trades. And one guy they signed in free agency who was arrested for something is now hurt. Another guy they traded from the Patriots is now hurt. And besides that, they had... One of their draft choices out, 
hasn't practiced for due day, two days. He's, I don't want to say hurt, injured. He's, something's bothering him. So we hope to get more updates on Nikhil Harry. Mark Gody just tweeted that the Byron Pringle quad injury is has Eberflus sounding optimistic that he'd be back to the start of the regular season. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus on Tevin Jenkins participating in individual drills today. I'd say we are ramping him up. So Mark picked that. I'm not going to do a psychological profile here, but Mark picked that because he sees that as a platform for we think he's going to be with us and participating and be central to what we're doing. That's the way I read what Mark tweeted. Mark will have more on the score perhaps today, tomorrow, during the week as the Bears prepare their, for their first game. I mean, they got to, they got to have a healthy five that they can put together and keep together, I think, all week, leading into their first game. If Matt Eberflus says they're going to play the starters, they're going to that means Justin Fields. That's all we care about. If they're going to play Justin Fields more than three plays when he runs for his life the way Jay Cutler did the first time Mike Martz called plays, if they're going to play longer than that, then that offensive line is going to be given some kind of shot. The same five guys, the same five positions, every practice, every walkthrough, every bit of instruction. Work on their communication. It's a whole new scheme to block. Quarterbacks calling a new set of plays. Maybe they'll just run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, and they'll throw one pass after eight straight runs. That'd be fine. That sounds like what their offense is going to be. But you still got to block that too. Not, maybe you will run the ball on third and 12 if you're Luke Getze and it's the first exhibition game and you're very afraid and you know you got to protect the franchise, and that's Justin Fields. So we'll see what Mark has to say. But if they're ramping up Tevin Jenkins, I mean, they got no choice. They didn't trade him. They didn't cut him. There he is. Mark Crody tweeted eight minutes ago, left tackle Braxton Jones was down, and is listed as day-to-day with some sort of injury, which might explain why Sean Coleman was at left guard and, and I mean, left tackle and yet in yet another formation of whatever Luke Getze and, and whatever... Matt Eberflus is going to do or okay. I don't know. I just think for the growth, the improvement, the, the whole point of playing your starters an extended period of time in the first preseason game, there's only three this year, but the whole point of doing that, you're learning a new system, you got new players learning each other, you better be able to block. You better be able to block the run, too. You know what, David Montgomery getting pounded. And maybe that's all we'll see is running. Maybe that offensive line just needs to go forward. Maybe they're not going to step back. Maybe they're not going to bucket step or zone step or, or whatever whatever the pass blocking involves. Maybe they'll do it once after 10 straight runs. Go forward. Offensive, line like, offensive linemen like that. Go forward, fire off, open a hole, let David Montgomery see what he can do. And those receivers who were healthy enough, let's see if they can block. That goes a long way towards protecting your quarterback 
and seeing what you have on the offensive line. I'm all for that. I'm happy for that. Let them get used to running the ball. See, the difference between Matt Nagy and what I think Luke Getze is going to do. Matt Nagy was all into pretty shiny things. Look at this play I drew up. It has nothing to do with the one before that. It will have nothing to do with the one after that. It's not necessarily about winning the game. It's about a pretty shiny thing. Luke Getze has taken, he's taken the game into consideration. What do my guys do well? First of all, who are my guys? What do they do well? How are we going to win the game? Our defense is going to be a lot fresher if we run the ball. If we run the ball, we can set up the quarterback to pass unencumbered or certainly not getting crushed the way Matt Nagy would have a quarterback getting crushed because he wasn't thinking things through. He couldn't coach the players in front of him, the team in front of him, the game in front of him. Everything I've heard from Luke Getze and what you saw him do in Green Bay, he coaches the game in front of him, the players in front of him. It's easy when one of them is Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers was buying into the fact that he wasn't throwing the ball all over the place. He was there to try to win. And that formula involved a lot of running the ball. We'll find out. They play the Chiefs a week from today. I, As sad as I was this week, as depressed as I was part of the time, and maybe you too, judging by the texts and some of the Twitter messages I got, I, I wanted to leave you with a Vin Scully moment that has to make you laugh and smile because it made Vin Scully smile. Let me set this up for you. It's spring training in 2008. Clayton Kershaw's on the mound. The Dodgers are playing the Red Sox. Sean Casey's at the plate. Left-hander against left-hander. This is the first time Vin Scully sees this kid Kershaw throw that curveball, that nose-to-toes curveball, that 12-to-6 curveball. Listen to Vin's voice. Oh, what a curveball. Holy mackerel. He just broke off public enemy number one. Look at this thing. It's up there. It's right there in Casey is history. And at the end of three and a half, three nothing Dodgers. He's laughing. Oh, what a curveball. He just broke off public enemy. He's laughing, and he came up with a line. He just broke off public enemy number one. So it made me laugh, and I needed to laugh. It's a tough week. Thank you, fellow suckageers, for listening, for participating, for cooperating, for letting me suck so you didn't have to. And it really sucked when a, an idol dies, a teacher like that. Cubs baseball is next on the score. If nobody important listened, I'll be back next week with a full bang-up show. We'll talk about my Heisenberg hat and my road trip. I want to thank Cesar Perez for producing this epic. Mark Grody for being one of my guests. Thank you all for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 